This is Bless You Boys Podcast 120, recorded July 20th, 2014. The Derek Jeter Invitational. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Boys podcast, where the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com, SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog, covers the past week of Detroit Tigers baseball. And now there's been a lot of baseball to talk about because of the All-Star break, but there there was some news that happened during the week. And since we're recording this so late, uh, we're recording this on Sunday before the last game of the Indian series. And, you know, we record when we want because we don't listen to the man, uh, we just didn't have time to get to it on Friday. So, first off, let's get the introductions out of the way. Of course, I'm your host, Al Beaton, co-managing editor of Bless Your Voice. Joining me, as always, every week, is the man known as the King of West Michigan, uh, an acolyte of Earl Weaver, and he had a not good day yesterday, and that would be the man you know as Hookslide. How's you doing, Hookslide? Well, I had a not good day yesterday. <laughs> no, that's not entirely true. We were at the game. Well, uh, let's put it this way. I've uh, a bad day at a ball game is still better than your best day at work, but yes. it was not a good game to be at. No, no, we were at the first game of the doubleheader, which was I was just saying before the show is one of the flattest mm-hmm. games, kind of one of the most boring games you know that I think I've been to. But mm-hmm. you know, any any day I can get out to the ballpark with my son, and this time I went with my dad and my son. So we got oh. three generations of you know hook slides, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> And that that you know that's a cool thing in and of itself. So you know, no no complaints. Just just tired. That's all. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm dragging ass myself after I wrote both recaps uh, yesterday for the doubleheader, and uh, also been running the Twitter the last few days. So we're both a little bleary eyed on a Sunday morning. So I actually more, more to my normal drink, I have coffee next to me. Is actually is recording this. Uh, the game will start in about an hour. Uh, it's a good thing we waited, don't you think? Yeah, no kidding. If, if we had recorded this on Friday of the of the podcast. Yes, because we were going to record Friday before the you know the first game after the All Star break. We had nothing to talk about except All Star stuff. So now now we've actually got material. So yeah, and not good material. If you no, well, it's still you know small sample size stuff. But it was a very <laughs> unpleasant weekend to say the very least. So uh, something to get excited about. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. First off, a little bit about the podcast. Uh, you can contact us. Thoughts, questions, love letters, hate mail. Byb podcast at gmail dot com. Byb tigers at gmail dot com. We're always on Twitter at Bless You Boys, and we're always on the Facebook, facebook.com slash BYB Tigers, or of course, just search for Bless You Boys on Facebook. Same with um, actually Twitter as well. And please follow and like us. We try to be as entertaining as possible on social media, so please uh, follow us there as well. And plus, it's an easy way to see all the links to what's going on uh, with the site. All right, Hookslide, as you mentioned, uh, since we didn't record Friday, and it would have been all happiness and light, you know, if the Tigers. Uh, Ending the um, ending the second half pretty darn well to, uh, with uh, on a winning streak for the most part. They did lose the last game before the break, but you know it was one of those you know God they they still played really really well against Kansas City. I'll take it. You know three of four that's awesome. Uh, All star game goes really well. Max Scherzer gets to win. Uh, Miguel Cabrera hits a home run. Uh, Ian Kinsler gets to play. Even Mark, Victor Martinez was there. So hey, that's a plus. Then comes this weekend where the Indians come to town, seven and a half games back, and they put a, uh, I guess you'd call a pounding on the Tigers in the first three games of the series, including a doubleheader sweep on Saturday, which Hookslide alluded to. He was there for the first game. So, uh, Hookslide, for better or worse, the Tigers really do remain streaky as all hell. Uh, they enter Sunday today, as we're recording, with a four and a half game lead over the Tribe. As always, this is not the end of the world, but this is definitely not the start we wanted to see. And as you said, the Tigers have looked pretty darn listless uh, in this uh, in this series. But then again, at least in the game you went to, they couldn't do anything with Corey Kluber, and a good pitcher will do that. But I was really disappointed in the 
uh, Saturday night game where they couldn't do anything against Zach McAllister, who entered the game of an ERA over five, and having uh, Max Scherzer on the mound, knowing they needed him to go deep into the game, and he could only uh, pitch into the uh, pitch five and two thirds innings and have a career, I mean, a season high 118 pitches. So that doubleheader was really unpleasant all the way around. Yeah, and it has lingering effects too, unfortunately, because. This is a problem that the 84 team ran into, you know, as well in the second yeah. half. They had so many doubleheaders they had to get through, and that's when they took their worst mm-hmm. pounding, um, you know, just because you, you got to play that many games. You know, it, it's very tough on the rotation. It's tough on the on the offense. You know, you, you're tired. You don't get a break. We knew this, though, going into the second half, that this is going to be a very, very brutal second half in terms of the scheduling. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it just it's a head-scratcher to me. To As you said, they, they seem pretty hot going into the All-Star break. Um You'd think that coming up against again the Indians, who they owned all last year, this this should be a, you know a happy four game series. Yeah. And yet they've all already guaranteed that they've lost this series. Yeah. You know, by, by dropping the first three games, what's confusing about it to me mm-hmm. is like you said that the game last night. If you got Max Scherzer going to the mound, we've got Victor Martinez back in the lineup. This this is supposed to be a recipe for success. Yeah. And and, and they couldn't do anything against you know against Zach McAllister in that second game, but. Uh, more, you know, I think the, the issue, obviously, there was, was more of a bullpen thing, too, mm-hmm. as it was on Friday, but I, I know we'll probably get to that. Yeah, we'll definitely get to that. And yeah, there was plenty of blame to go around, especially in the nightcap on Saturday. And this one, I don't, it, some people didn't realize until I posted it, but uh, the two through five hitters in the order in the second game, uh, Ian Kinsler, Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez, and J.D. Martinez, combined to go one for 20 with six strikeouts. They aren't going to beat anybody with that kind of middle-of-the-order production. And, yeah, that's more of a fluke, but I guess it also just kind of shows the inconsistency we've seen from this Tigers team all year long. you got to have those guys producing, mm-hmm. obviously. I mean, that, that, that's the heart of the order. The, the first game in the doubleheader was a little better, at least. Mm-hmm. That, you know, Cabrera went three for four. Right. You know, so he was seemingly consistent. Jackson hit that double mm-hmm. early on. But, you know, for the most part, those hits, you know, a lot of those were just like little infield get lucky, you know, kind of singles. So yeah. kind of still waiting to see the, the big bats yeah. do their thing again. Yeah, and of course the fear is, for example, you know, J.D. Martinez has the regression begun. He's uh, one for the series so far. Uh, yeah, again, we're all, this is all small sample size stuff, but you got to know these questions are lingering in the back of fans' heads. You know, this offense has been so streaky. You know, is J.D. Martinez uh, this year's Matt Tuyas Sopo? And I guess the big question, uh, Hookside, is it time to replace Joe Nathan? Because he was yeah. awful Saturday night. He really was. You know, and, and like I said, the whole bullpen, it's not yeah. just Nathan. It's primarily Nathan. He stands out because he's supposed mm-hmm. to be the elite closer, and he's mm-hmm. not getting the job done, consistently not getting it done. Yeah. But, you know, as I said before, um, just looking at those two games of the doubleheader, you know, mm-hmm. the offense was not producing a whole lot. That's when you really need your starting pitching yep. to be really, really good. Yeah. You need the bullpen to be really, really good. And, and let's not thought... forget that in game, one of the, uh, the, in game one, the Tigers had a spot start from, from minor leaguer Drew Verhagen. So that, yes. does, that played into it as well. But he did a fantastic he job. He did, I yeah. He, held, he kept him in the game. He really did. He only what, two or three runs. Three runs in five innings. I will allowed. take that from, uh, from a rookie. And, and the first two innings out there, he struck out four batters and looked pretty sharp. So mm-hmm. you'll take that. Like you said, from a, from a spot starter, you'll take that. That's, that's a decent yeah. outing for a starter. Scherzer needed to be a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, in those games, again, if your starters are going to allow a couple of runs, your offense is only going to produce a couple of runs, this is where you really need the bullpen to be locked down. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the Tigers do not have that luxury right now, and that's I think the bigger issue in, in fans' minds. We're looking at it's a three-game you know sample size right now, yeah. and saying oh the world is going to fall apart. But I, I'm looking at it and saying no, it's it's really just kind of highlighting the, the bullpen issue and saying fast forward to October if we don't have this problem fixed, it's, mm-hmm. it's not going to be a pretty playoff season. Yeah, that's uh, uh, no, it's really, yeah, especially because the Angels kind of uh, with the trade they made uh, kind of fired the first. Uh, salvo in the bullpen wars, and obviously the Tigers. Uh, yeah, they got uh, Houston they, Street, didn't they? Exactly. And, I just uh, saw that yeah. on Twitter today. So it's uh, and I, I I don't know about you, Hoxley, but right now I feel confident in one Detroit Tigers reliever, and that's Java Chamberlain. I don't feel confident in any of the other guys in the bullpen right now. I'll give you two, maybe three. Yeah, Chamberlain for sure. I I, I still like Blaine Hardy. Yeah. Um, I thought he did a good job yesterday too. Mm-hmm. 
and, and has been prior to that, mm-hmm. and, then, and maybe Al Albuquerque. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Then again, he blew up this weekend as well. <laughs> yes, and that's, 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 it's, it's a maybe. I mean, yeah. He's always going to be kind of a coin flip and a mixed bag, but yeah. uh, I'll give you two and a half. Then I guess yeah. <laughs> that's that's not enough relievers to get you. Uh, you know, it, it may be enough to get them to clinch the division. Yeah. You know that, like you said, this stuff kind of evens out after 162 games, but uh, in the short series type thing in the playoffs, we got to have better options than, yeah. than two and a half men. Yeah, that's the thing. You can overcome a shaky bullpen during a long regular season because, as you said, baseball tends to even things out. Nathan will have streaks where he's okay, and the, and the Tigers' will offense will pretty much overcome all these kind of issues. But as you said, a short series and this bullpen right now, uh, God, it, it, it's scary to even think about. Uh, you know, this, this bullpen is shakier than last year's bullpen. Yes, and that's that's not good. Yeah, and we saw uh, what happened to bullpen last year. So yeah, right. The bullpen, <laughs> when, you, when you start looking at last year's bullpen and saying, "Well, that's a better option than yeah. this year," <laughs> that's a bad place to be, right there. Yeah. yeah uh, but to mm-hmm. you know, go a little bit deeper into this though, because I know that there's kind of this uh, t- uh, trend on Twitter or whatever, you know, from the game last night. Some people were really pissed off at Joe Nathan, and others were kind of saying, "Well, look, it's it's a bigger bullpen issue. It's not just Joe Nathan." And you know, yeah, I, I can agree to a point. Mm-hmm. You said two and a half men's not enough. Um, but on the other hand, when you look at the, the stats for runs allowed, that ninth inning is still the leader. Mm-hmm. 63 runs of, runs allowed in the ninth inning, yeah. you know, yet this season is more than they ever give up in any other inning. Um, the seventh and the ninth are the, are the top two right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it, so maybe it is Joe Nathan is what I'm getting at. Yeah. <laughs> it's the ninth inning, and uh, you know he's the one that typically gets the ninth inning. Yeah, yeah, the it, closer. yeah it was interesting in that uh, you bring that up. Because uh, well, let me, let me just throw one one quick. Uh, I'm going to finish out that stat real quick because mm-hmm. it's it's 63 runs allowed so far in 2014 in the ninth inning. Last year they only allowed 57 runs all year long. And that was having Papa Grande as the closer for about six. Yes. Well, and he was and he was throwing like Joe Nathan. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. And that, and that tells you something right there. Papa Grande was essentially throwing like Joe Nathan, and the Tigers washed their hands of him after six weeks. But the contracts are completely different. The the uh, track records are completely different, and, but the, unfortunately, the ages are different too. And that Joe Nathan's older, and as we see, as hey, I, I can vouch for it. When you when you're pushing forty, things change. <laughs> yeah, my slider's no good. Yeah, anymore. no kidding. I, you know, it's fine. <laughs> <I'm thinking laughs> <laughs> my hook slide is awesome, but my, my slider. But I'll, I'm not closing games for the Tigers either. So, you know, it's yeah. just it's. It's scary to me to, to, to realize that they've given up more runs already in the ninth inning this year than they gave up in all of last year. And so, t- again, to underscore that point, I say, yeah, it's a bullpen problem, but it is a Joe Nathan problem more than anything. Yeah, because oh, that, I, I've been kind of, um, you know, being I was reca- be re- recapping all these games. Uh, during the first two games of the Cleveland series, the bullpen, which got exposed because – uh, Annabelle Sanchez only went six innings, and obviously they, you couldn't expect Verhagen to go more than five or six. He only went five. So the bullpen was needed, and that exposes that soft white underbelly of middle relief of the Tigers. They allowed eight earned runs, 15 hits, five walks, and that was in the first two games. You throw in Nathan Saturday night, and it's, uh, now it's eight innings, 11 earned runs, 18 hits, and seven walks. And, of course, of note, in any of those innings I brought up, no Jabba Chamberlain involved there, so... That's um, well. Let's let's go. Let's talk about Joe Nathan. It's because it's really kind of the topic this year right now. It was really funny. It was it, the ninth inning, you know, because we saw what happened. Giving giving up the grant, the uh, I won't call it. The, I wanted to call it a grant slam. It felt like close it. enough, right? <laughs> yeah, it was the uh, bases clearing double from Carlos Santana, not the guitarist. Uh, it was it was all the more ironic because Ken Rosenthal, a few innings earlier, because the game was broadcast on Fox Sports One. He was reporting the Tigers want to acquire bullpen help, and of course he brought up the Joaquin Soria and uh, uh, Joaquin Benoit rumors. Uh, but they, but he stated they don't want to replace Nathan as their closer. And I wonder if that's just throwing a smokescreen out there, or or this is the you know we still believe in him, the contract playing a factor type stuff. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's just smokescreen. I, I mean, they made a major financial commitment and a contractual commitment to Joe Nathan. Yep. Um, you know, for two years, and I, 
you know, you, you've heard it all along from Dave Dombrowski saying we're not looking for help in that area. We've got a true closer. Yeah. Osmus has been saying the same thing even most recently. You know, he said that in the presser last night. Um, I, you know, we've talked about this in previous podcasts too that. I just don't think the Tigers are the front office, the manager. They don't have the mentality of saying, well, that closer role can be flexible. We can move guys in and out of it. Mm-hmm. Anybody, you know, whoever your best arm is, that's who should pitch the ninth. That's not the mentality. Yeah. You know, the mentality is we've got the closer. Yeah, is that quote, um, unquote, proven closer? A proven that, That's That's closer. always been the uh, code word of the Tigers. And I saw it on uh, a quote on Twitter last night. I think it was from Brad Osmus' press conference after the game, mm-hmm. um, post-game interviewed that, that he said something to the effect of, hey, you know, Joe Nathan's been doing this for years, you know, which to me is still, it, it's still that mentality of, you know, again, the proven closer. He's got the, the track record, so we're going to stick with this guy because he's shown that he can get it done in the past. And that, to me, that's just, that's that's suicide. Yeah. When when at this point, we're, this isn't April, this isn't May. Mm-hmm. We're not saying, you know, hey, give him a chance, you know, he's had a couple rough outings. It's now July, it's almost the end of July. We've only got a couple months left in the regular season, and he has proven consistently that he's not trustworthy mm-hmm. in that ninth inning. So, you know, why, why keep beating your head against that proverbial brick wall, you know, and expecting some kind of a different result out of Joe Nathan? He's proven he can't get it done right now, so mm-hmm. sit him. Yeah. You know, do do what the A's did with, with Jim Johnson. You know, you got to be willing to move guys around and say, if you're not getting it done, you're not going to inhabit that role. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really shocking to look at his numbers, and I, I just brought him up on uh, Baseball Reference. He's pitched in 15 games since the start of June. He has uh, not allowed a hit in only four. <laughs> four of the 15 games. Four of the 15 games he's not allowed a hit, but uh, uh, but then you got to factor in walks, and then that changes to he's not allowed a base runner. I think in only three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, this is the guy who was supposed to be a lockdown closer. Right. I heard uh, uh, Dan Dickerson and Jim Price saying the same thing last night after he imploded. That uh, you know, since he made those mechanical changes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that was kind of a big thing in the press. You know, he figured out what was wrong. He came out the next game and struck out the side, and we all said, "Great, he fixed it." Um, but you know, since then, they were pointing out and saying, "But he he allows so many base runners. Yes. It's never clean." Mm-hmm. I know you can't ever have, you know, what, what am I trying to say? It, it, to have a completely clean inning over and over and over again, that may not be realistic. You might have to allow for a base runner here and there. But to say he's always going to allow base runners and put runners in scoring position, put the tying runs on, you know, that kind of thing, yeah, that's that's Papa Grande territory. That's yeah. precisely why he was so, you know, bad in, in 2013. Yeah, to say the very least, it's uh... – Oh. And, he, and he's missing his pitches badly. Yeah, is is another big deal. And I know that happened last night. The fact that mm-hmm. he that pitch that Santana hit was a you know a grooved fastball. Mm-hmm. It's like fine, throw the guy the fastball if you have to, but you can't throw it there. And I think that's Nathan doesn't have the command right now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and you, and you bring out the base runners, and obviously Whip really uh, points toward that, and it's doubled, almost doubled from last year. He was under one. Last year, which was actually probably he had the best uh, season of his career of not allowing base runners, uh, 0.897. That is awesome. This year, it's pushing 1.6. So you know that's and that's awful uh, when it comes to whip. And his fifth uh, fielding independent pitching has doubled as well from 2.26 to 4.35. And that says volumes as well when you take fielding right out to it. You're right. He's just allowing way too many base runners for anybody to be comfortable with what he's doing right now. Right, and that's a, that's a frightening prospect, as mm-hmm. you know, we said going into postseason at least, mm-hmm. um, where where the runs do tend to be more of a, a premium. Um, it, it tends to come down to that one or two runs in the ninth inning, and you need to have a guy that can get out there and get the job done, you know, with with ease, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so having a guy like Joe Nathan, who's you know he's going to put the runners on and mm-hmm. put the game in jeopardy, and how how long can his luck hold out? Yeah. You mentioned his his whip last year being under one, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if we'll we'll get to this you know eventually. But you, you know who has a whip under one right now? Soria. Uh, I was gonna say one of the guys the Tigers rumored to be interested in. Must yes, be. Yeah. yes. His whip right now is point seven nine eight. Yeah, Ooh, that's now, that's glorious. Yes, it is. But I only bring that up to, to again get back to that point of saying, mm-hmm. uh, 
my, my son and I were just talking about this, about the, the story of possibility, and we were mm-hmm. looking at his numbers, and he said, great, they can make him the closer. <laughs> and I said, unfortunately, I just I don't think that's the direction. I don't think they will ditch Nathan in that role. Yeah, yeah, because that's one of the things Rosenfeld brought up, brought up and said the Tigers want a guy who could close, has closed, maybe closed in the past, but doesn't doesn't have to close. Yeah, because of the, uh, I guess it's, you could just put in quotes, a Nathan situation because of the money involved and the commitment they've made. So it's, Tiger's got some got some heavy thinking to do over that accident, and they got very little time to do it, considering yeah. the, the trade deadline's less than two weeks away now. Right. And, yeah, I mean, well, and you would love to get a guy like Soria in there yeah. who's got that capability. His his numbers are amazing. His, yeah. his strikeout per nine is at uh, 12 mm-hmm. right now. His <laughs> strikeout to walk ratio is 10.5 to 1. Yeah. He's doing amazing. You'd love to get a guy like him and maybe a guy like Benoit to add to Chamberlain, Hardy. You know, now you got three or four solid options that yeah. can rotate in and out of that ninth inning right. and get the job done. But that, like I said, that's going to require a change in thinking on on uh, Dombrowski's part, on Osmus's part. Mm-hmm. You know, to say maybe Nathan's not that guy unless he's got good numbers against the batters coming up in that inning. You know. Let's be a little more flexible. Yeah, and and bringing up Brad Osmus, kind of a nice segue into what he said last night uh, when he was asked about the uh, possibility of demoting Nathan from the closer's role. But then again, if you demote Nathan from the closer's role, you essentially have to waive him because much like uh, 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 Papa Grande last year, he definitely doesn't have a role if you can't get guys out. And well, wait a minute though. Yeah. Because that, that was something that that really stuck out for me in that in that statement, um, or that logic, that kind of thinking and saying. But I know Osmond said if uh, something be defective, if we give Jabba the ball in the ninth, we still have to get the ball to him yeah. in the ninth. And the, the thinking there is, if Nathan's that bad, well, he's going to blow the game mm-hmm. regardless, whether it's in the seventh that he does it or it's in the eighth mm-hmm. that he does it. But I'm seeing some some inconsistency in logic there because yeah. Brad Osmond is also the guy that said, no, no, you have to have a closer mentality. Right. Yes. And, yeah. Good point. You did. And the say ninth that. inning is special, and it takes <laughs> you know, it takes guts or whatever to get you know, to have that fortitude, that intestinal fortitude to get through the ninth. And I'm saying, okay, well, if you really believe that, mm-hmm. then take Joe Nathan out of that high pressure, high leverage inning, and in theory. He should be able to get guys out. Yeah, no pressure. In the, in the seventh and the eighth, because it's a no pressure situation. Yeah. I don't really necessarily believe that. I think yeah. if you're bad, you're bad no matter where. But, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just odd for me to see, you know, like Osmus kind of speaking from both sides of that. Saying, oh, the well, that's exactly what Jim Leland used to say as well when it came to uh, it came to the big potato. He would say the exact same thing. You know, he's got that closer mentality. He'll bounce back if he blows up. And But it comes to a point where they keep blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and and bouncing back's great, but you shouldn't. You don't need to be bouncing back pretty much after every time you go out, and that's that's become the issue with Nathan. Right. Uh, and Nosmus, when he was asked about this, about you know demoting Nathan, you, I think I just in the quote you can just hear the uh, resignation or the uh, in his voice where he's you know and, and the annoyance. I think is a good word. I'm sure there's a possibility I could reach a point sometime. Boy, talk about leaving that open. Then he adds, I'm not near that point. I'll let you know when I am. Uh, so, And there's the uh, the annoying part of it right there. So obviously this has to have been a discussion in the tires hierarchy, but uh, right now yeah. Osmus is playing, is, is, is going along with the Tigers. Uh, we need a proven closer. We've invested in Joe Nathan. We're going with Joe Nathan. Uh, mantra essentially, and he's going to the party line right now. Yes, and, and we don't know with the backstage politics. I, I have no idea how mm-hmm. how tied to Dombrowski um, Brad Osmus is at this point. Yeah. In the sense that, you know, if I'm Dave Dombrowski and you know I, I make that move and I shell out all that money for, for mm-hmm. Joe Nathan, I probably want my manager to use him in that role that I bought him yeah. for. Mm-hmm. And if, if Brad Osmus just suddenly kind of independently makes the the, the move to say you know what you're gonna you're gonna pitch the seventh for mm-hmm. a month you know until you get your your stuff figured back out, um, I'm not sure if that creates conflict. I don't know if Dombrowski is is hands on mm-hmm. or a micromanager enough to kind of get in there and say hey no he's our closer that's what I paid for that's where you're gonna use him I don't I don't know so it's it's hard to say at that point if it's if that's Osmus just being stubborn and saying no I'm not. Well, I'm not near that point. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, how much nearer do you need to be? Yeah. 
Oh, but then again, the cachet of the two managers were, you know, Dombrowski has worked with for the most part in Detroit. Jim, Jim Leland and Brad Ausmus are completely different as well. Uh, Jim Leland had the track record, had the experience to, I think, really deal with this kind of situation. Uh, and he was shut down as crap, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, this is something where this quote of Osmus where the, there was a possibility I could do it sometime. Jim Leland would just say, no. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, yeah. he'd say, no, he's, he's the closer, and that's what we're doing. And exactly, that's, until, that's, until that's they make the change. But he would right. continue to say, no, we're not doing anything different. Yeah. Seems like he said that about about uh, uh, Valverde last yeah. year. Didn't he? He, he sure right did, and the they, Tigers made that move anyway. Like but a, but like you know, that's Jim Leland saying one thing to the media and something completely else going on behind the scenes. Right. And I, I want to say it was like a week before they cut Valverde that he was still saying, no, he's he's the closer. You, you remember the, who the bleep do you want me to close with? Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> routine. And we're like, anybody, someone can get three hours. Yeah. <laughs> but he also strikes me as the kind of person that would then turn around and go to Dombrowski's office and also be a straight shooter with him and say, yeah. dude, <laughs> you know, this is, you the know what, yeah. you know, bleep, 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 fix it, bleep. And that's, you know? a, and that's a good point because you got to wonder if Brad Ausmus feels like he can do that right now because he is so new at this job and essentially – Dave Dombrowski, even though he had a lot of teams chase them, Dave Dombrowski has given him the break and actually given him the reins to a team that is expected to make the World Series. So there's a lot of pressure on Osmus, and he's kind of walking on eggshells, I think, right now himself. Yeah. You know, on how to handle the situation. Not, uh, not for his job. I don't see him getting fired or anything. But how he's handling this, this has really been the overriding issue with his tenure as the Tigers manager. It's been Joe Nathan and his issues as closer. Yes. And it, it's fun to kind of speculate and look at mm-hmm. the personality types involved, you know, and say, well, Brad Osmus and, and Dave Dombrowski seem uh, very much cut from the same cloth as far as personalities. Both yeah. of them are very thoughtful, very intelligent, uh, laid back, you know, let's let's not rush into anything, let's think through things. They're you know, college they're kind of, boys. You know. Yes, and you can just <laughs> see them sitting in the in the GM's office, you know, going, well, I'm not really sure, let's give it some... Did you yeah. read The Economist this week? You know. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> And not to say that Leland's not intelligent, but, you know, he just, again, he strikes me as more... Hey, hey Leland, like, did you read Dick Tracy this week? You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Did you read Snoopy? It was yeah. Mark Dick this week. But he strikes me as more the guy that, that would be, you know, uh, we got to do something. we got to fix Exactly. He was, it yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, Osmus, I have a feeling, would be more... He seems to be more of the type you're right. He's going to wait for Dave, Dave Dombrowski to finally make up his mind what right. he's going to do. Let me put it this way. Mm-hmm. Osmus is young, like you said. He's new to the game. Yep. Um, to the managing game, at least. Right. Uh, Leland had tons of managing experience and wouldn't take credit from anybody. This is the guy that would go out and you know get in Barry Bonds' face and say, I'm the bleep manager, sit your... You know, whatever. Right. Um, so I, I, it's it's interesting to me to wonder... Like I'm not just speculating... You know, does Osmus have that kind of strong personality enough to to come right out and tell Dombrowski this has to change? You need to do something about this. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and Leland and, would do that, but mm-hmm. you know, being somewhat new to it, you know, I wonder if Osmus would defer to Dombrowski and say whatever you think is best. You know. Yeah, and for all know. the fans that were you know wanted Jim Leland gone all those years, these are the kind of situations where his experience. And his essential, you know, baseball guyness, if you want to call it, his don't take any shit kind of crap. That this is the perfect kind of situation for this because he, I, I know he'd be handling the situation kind of differently. He wouldn't be hemming and hawing about replacing his closer. You know that quote from Oz, but he would just say, "No, we're not making any changes." But you'd have to believe that he, Jim Leland, knew and he was secure enough in his position, uh, and, you know, with you know with his ten years at Tigers, what he has accomplished as a manager, that he could go to Dave Dombrowski. And say we need to make a change, and I think you're right. I, you got to wonder if Brad Ausmus feels he can do that. Right, and, and, and it's, it's speculation. It's yeah, of course speculation. it is. I have zero idea what Brad Ausmus is like off camera. Yeah, behind closed doors. For all doors. we know, he's a he's a firebrand. We don't. He might be. Yeah. Yeah, we watched him get in umpires' faces when he was yeah. a player. You know, who knows? He might be in Dombrowski's office throwing things. You yeah. know? <laughs> that would be fun <laughs> to see. Yeah. For that matter, Dombrowski might be a firecracker behind closed doors. You have no clue. You know, but it's yeah, it's, he, yeah. It's he's wearing. Oh my God, he's wearing a solid colored polo. Look out! You know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Wait, but, but when he gets behind closed doors and the whiskey comes out, man. It's, yeah. it's, <laughs> so maybe maybe Osmus is the uh, the anchor in that relationship. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, this is all. Like you said, make it great. This is all speculation. But you know, we're yeah. you know we're coming from 
the point of view of fans who have watched him, watched him Leland for years and how he handled things. And he definitely, I think we're both correct and he would handle this somewhat differently. But, you know, right now the ball is really in Dave Dabrowski's court no matter what. Yeah. Uh, as I said, after all the speculation and, mm-hmm. you know, it may be complete bullshit, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, you still have the problem that, that Joe Nathan's not getting the job done. And we, I think we both know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that, that David Dabrowski is not going to um, stand pat right. through the trade deadline. Something's going to happen, and you hope that he gets Joaquin Soria or Benoit or something similar to that. Uh, and then after that, it's, it's, you know, it's anybody's ball game. You just hope that having the extra better arms in the bullpen makes somewhat of a difference. You know, yeah. Whether they're ever going to uh, demote Joe Nathan, I, you know, what can you say? I yeah. don't know. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, the need for bullpen help has become the overriding cry from the fan base and, and pretty much the media at this point as well. And with two weeks, less than two weeks goal until the non-waiver trade deadline, obviously the Tigers can still make a deal into August. But to get the best players, you usually get them before the non-waiver trade deadline. Uh, how much are you willing to go all in on some of these guys or – because, you know, we're talking the Soria and Benoit, you know, which, you know, it's sad to say the Tigers could have kept Benoit, but they, at the time they thought he was too expensive or he wanted to close. Uh, these guys could cost the Tigers an arm and a leg when it comes to prospects. But, and that's the question, knowing how the Tigers have been acting as of late when it comes to their draft picks and, and, and things of that sort, you know, trying to build up the farm system. Teams know the Tigers are going to be over a barrel looking for someone who, looking for pitchers who can throw seventh, eighth, and ninth inning ball. They're going to be asking the stars and the moon for a guy like Soria, and you got to wonder if the Tigers are willing to pay it. And I'm not sure they're going to be willing to pay that much. Personally, I would. I, at this point, I, I'm always uh, the team that gets the established major league ball player is going to win the trade, and if that means the Tigers have to empty out their farm system to get some of these guys, and I'm all for it. Yeah, I think I would be too, because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think the philosophy has changed. I, I don't know that uh, the Tigers have ever really been the grow your own talent. Yeah, they don't seem to be hung up on these top prospect guys. Yeah. If they see a move they can make to improve the team, they're going to do it. Yeah, when we look at the Tigers' prospects, and it's, it's a good, I mean, we're in a good place yeah. right now. At least speaking from the, the Whitecaps' perspective, that, that's mm-hmm. a team. Every time I go to a game, I look out at the field and I, I tell my wife, "Look out there right now, this mm-hmm. is." This is trade prospect heaven. Yeah, you know, uh, if they were able to get Jose Veras for Dan Vasquez, who was the mm-hmm. Whitecaps' right fielder or center fielder at the yeah. time last year, mm-hmm. just think what they could do with you know Austin Schatz or Winton Bernard. Yeah, uh, you know some of these other guys, um, even Corey Knebel, who's you know with Detroit right now, mm-hmm. they, they could probably get the deal done. Um, yeah. And that seems to be Dombrowski's mo more than mm-hmm. you know hang on to our prospects and, and develop them and wait a couple years. So I, I'm willing to see. You know the, what they can get, or what they have to give away to get Soria is probably it's probably worth it at this point. Yeah, and just keep in mind, I mean, no one saw the Jose Iglesias trade coming. You know, so we have no idea what Dave Nebraska could have up his sleeve. Because I remember well, this time last year, we we're all like, "What the hell are the Tigers going to do at shortstop?" Next thing you know, they, he finds the best club guy in the game. Right, and you got to remember though that was a very different situation. Oh yeah, uh, it was not leading up to the trade deadline and the mm-hmm. Tigers saying shortstop sucks, we need to fill that spot. Like it is now, bullpen sucks, we need to do something. That was all because of the the PED situation with Johnny Peralta put yeah. them in a very tight spot, and they needed to act quickly, mm-hmm. which I think had more to do with why that trade was so you know out of the blue. Like wow, yeah, and it that. did help that there was a, that the three team trade can really change your options as well. Right, and we're not even factoring that into it. Yeah. Going into this trade deadline, right. who knows what kind of you know mm-hmm. three, four, five trades, you know, yeah. trades <laughs> that Dombrowski could pull off. He's he's got the he's intelligent that way. Mm-hmm. You know, he can work that kind of system. Um, but this is yeah, like I, I'm just saying, this is going to be a very different situation from last year when they were put in a very tight mm-hmm. position where they had to react quickly. You know, to replace Peralta, knowing that he was probably going to get suspended, you yeah. know, for 50 games. So we'll see how that how that pans out when they're not under pressure at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, but God help us all if the Tigers don't make a move to the trade deadline or don't or don't make a move. But that's also the thing, though. Remember when the Tigers got Doug Fister? Everybody's like, and there was a lot of people who said, "Really? That's that's your big move?" And look what the guy did. So that's something else to keep in mind. We may not be 
at least at first, thinking, what the hell are the Tigers thinking about getting this guy? But there's, there's always a possibility the Tigers see something or think they can fix something that uh, other teams don't see or can't, don't think they can take care of. I mean, Jabba Chamberlain's another one. They, they got him pennies on the dollar in the offseason. And that guy, he's at the point now where I'd hate to see them lose him in free agency next year. So the Tigers right. could go for make, – make some moves for guys that may not impress us at first but could pay big dividends as well. That, that's something else. You, that's the old faith in Dombrowski thing. Trust in Dombrowski. Yes. Because he is our high priest. Yes. You know? <laughs> so, but uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't want to ring the alarm bells or anything, mm-hmm. you know, but there is some truth to it, what some of the fans are saying in, in terms of the team composition is going to change a lot next year, I think. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You're right there. You know, and that, that uh, Victor Martinez is going to be another year older and uh, going into free agency. That, that future remains to be, you know, it's unseen at this point. We don't know if they're going to keep him, if they're going to extend him, if he's going to be still producing at that level next year. Max Scherzer probably won't be with the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Torrey Hunter probably not there. Um, you know, so you, you start kind of counting up. Yeah, there's already talk that Austin Jackson, who's who will be a free agent after yeah, next year, one. that the Tigers may feel the time is here to make a Curtis Grandison type deal with him. And you got to wonder now the way he's played over the last couple of seasons if he is the long term solution as a center fielder. Yeah, I, I have no idea if that's yeah. who they're going to stick with. Or, but you mentioned he's going into free agency too. Yeah, and so uh, you and he's going to make money. He is definitely going to make some big change. So right, yeah. So you get enough of these guys kind of stacked up, enough mm-hmm. of, of enough of the names in the roster to say this could really be a different team mm-hmm. next year. Not that, that that means that the quote unquote window is closing. But it, it's difficult to go into a season next year and say that could be a, a very, very, very different-looking team. Mm-hmm. It would be nice to make the moves and go all in right now yeah. while you do have that current starting rotation, while you do have some of these key players. Victor Martinez doing what he's doing. You know, let's mm-hmm. you know, let's go ahead and lock up that bullpen, whatever the whatever the cost. Yeah. What you know, within reason, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's not trade Miguel Cabrera. I still people saying like you know. So we're going to get rid of Nick Castellanos and put Cabrera back at third and, you know, whatever. No, don't. No, <laughs> don't, no, don't even no. Go there. Yeah, and, well, that's a, a nice little segue into uh, Cabrera's admission during the All-Star break in that he tried to backtrack somewhat after he said it, but because uh, I believe the, the original quotes came out there in a Spanish-language interview, but he admitted that his lower body is still affected by last season's groin injury and the resulting surgery and he also said, which is, uh, I think, uh, and I think as this is pretty much as everyone is suspecting, even though the Tigers aren't saying it, that Justin Verlander was having the exact same issues considering he had the same surgery. And, and, and looking at the, at the numbers of both players, it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to not agree with Cabrera and that, you no, know, the power just isn't there this year. I mean, he is, you know, he's become a gap hitter for the most part. He's leading the, uh, the majors and doubles, but his home runs are way down. And obviously, Justin Verlander right now looks like a five or six inning pitcher. So, when it comes to the stamina and using their lower legs, and both these guys really need their lower body for what they do, uh, it's really looking like we may not see the real Cabrera and Verlander till later this year or even next season, if you know if these admissions are true. And I really do think they are. It was just strange to me that he backtracked. Yeah. Like I know that that came out in the English in, in interview where he said, you know, I never said those things, mm-hmm. and I thought, why would you deny it? Yeah, that, that's that's not a bad admission. I mean, it's not like let me put it this way: I didn't need Cabrera to tell me that. Yeah, you know, like yeah. you said, when you when you look at the way he's playing, when you look at the numbers that support that, it's obvious mm-hmm. that that he's not fully recovered from that core muscle surgery. When you look at Verlander's numbers and his performance and the way he's not going deep into games, mm-hmm. I don't need Verlander to tell me you know, that I'm, I'm still not fully recovered from that surgery. So it's nice to have Cabrera say, yes, that's what's going on. It just kind of puts the cherry on the cake, so to speak. But yeah. even for him to deny it, you got to go, mm-hmm. hey, man, what, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we can all see the problem. You're not, mm-hmm. I don't think, I think you're less than, you know, a superhero because you admit it. So yeah. I don't know why he would, why he would backtrack. Yeah, and it says volumes about how good Miguel Cabrera is that even though he's probably, what, maybe 85 90% of what he should be, maybe even a little less than that, he is still an extremely productive player. I mean, he's already started the second half, 6 for 12. Then again, none of them have been home runs either. So that's, you know, uh, it's 
But I'm right. You know, it, it's an admission that I, I have a feeling that maybe the Tigers might have said something to him, or maybe even Justin Verlander. Who knows? But I, that also may come to, a, across as to the Cabrera is obviously much more comfortable uh, speaking in his native language when it comes to interviews than he is in English. So there's all kinds of little issues there that could be factored into his backtracking. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's obvious to anybody who's watched these guys every day like we do, we're just not going to see, I think, the real ball players that that signed long-term contracts till they're completely fully healthy, and right now they aren't. Yeah, and like I said, there, there was really no point to backtracking on that. Um, it, it's not like either of these guys, Verlander or Cabrera, are you know going into contract ending yeah. years, you know, where they need to kind of put up a, a front. They're, yeah. they're both locked in with the Tigers long term. You know, I, I could see that maybe Justin Verlander said something to him like, "Hey, don't." You know, speak for yourself, but don't bring me into this yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that's why he said, "Hey, I didn't say it." Mm-hmm. You know, outside of that, the numbers support what's what's going on. And, and uh, Cabrera leads the league right now in doubles. Yeah, that says something. It does. You know? Yeah, <laughs> he's he's not that he can't hit. He can, but he's not hitting for the long ball power. And what does he have? Fourteen home runs. Right Fourteen now? home runs. And uh, it, it, right now, his uh, belief, if you look at all his flash numbers, they're all tracking to be the lowest. They've been since 2008. Even though he's still a very productive hitter, he's not having an uh, an MVP season. He's just having an All Star season. So, uh, right, you know, right. So it, it's, it's all relative, essentially. Right. Yeah. And uh, when you start adding up all the little peripheral factors, you know, and saying uh, he's he's not missing the ball, he's hitting. Yeah. So it's it's not a, a factor of just general decline. You know, he's not hacking at the ball. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. He's hitting well. It's just that the power has. Has has dropped a little bit. All signs point to hey, you don't you don't have the the full um, yeah. power in the lower body. So big deal. Yes, you know, admit it and move on. <laughs> All right, and we do have to touch a little bit about the All Star Game, or uh, actually the Derek Jeter, Jeter Invitational. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, boy, did Fox go overboard on the Jeter stuff? It was. But as for the Tigers, Cabrera, as we're saying, his power has disappeared. He hit a two-run homer in the first inning. Uh, Max Scherzer pitched one inning, and he did get the win. Ian Kinsler played the last few innings and got in that bat, and Victor Martinez showed up and got to tip his hat because of his injury. Uh, But really, the All-Star game became all, at least the televised version of it, was nothing but Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter, and more Derek Jeter. And I wasn't paying that much attention anyway. That just annoyed it. And that just maybe just kind of back even further away from watching the game. Yeah. I watched it. My wife and I sat and watched the game and Mm -hmm. just every other inning, you know, cutting back to what's, what's Derek Jeter doing and let's show another clip, you know, or a collage of of his greatest moments. And uh, I, I don't even think he should have been in the game, honestly, because I I know I mentioned that leading up to the break that he's not even in the top five in any of the offense categories. Mm Mm-hmm. Five other that means five other players earned the right to be there yep. to start that game and they didn't because Derek Jeter is Derek Jeter mm-hmm. and all because he's retiring you know he gets to be in the All Star game that's that's a little upsetting yeah. um, but okay I can I can live with it I can get over that he's put up good numbers over his years whatever he's a legend whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. fine give him his moment but the fact that they and I know this came up you know all throughout the game the fact that they didn't even mention Tony Gwynn yeah because they were too busy you know. Mm-hmm. I can't even use the language I want to use, but, you know, basically just uh, so focused on Derek Jeter mm-hmm. that that uh, you don't even mention Tony Gwynn. That that was just... Or, or someone like Don Zimmer. For or Don example. Zimmer, yes, who just also recently just passed away, another legend of the game. Yeah. Really, I mean, and the more I thought about it, I was irritated, I was frustrated for days afterwards. Mm-hmm. The more I thought about it, though, it, it tied right into what we talked about a few podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. Um and I said there was that article in Baseball Digest where they talked about the declining uh, viewership yeah. of the All-Star game. And I thought, you know what, uh, Derek Jeter, you know, for whatever his, his baseball stats say, he was a celebrity mm-hmm. because he dated a lot of celebrities. Yeah. You'd be more likely to see him on the cover of Us Weekly or People Magazine you know, than in Baseball Digest, so to speak. So he, he does attract uh, you know, more viewers. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, I I don't know. Maybe that's, you know, Major League Baseball doing what they have to do, put the emphasis where they think they're going to, you know, get the most uh, page views, you know, yeah. kind of borrow from the from the blog world terminology. Um, it, it, you know, it, it makes it a little easier to stomach, I guess. I don't know. 
you know, and say, I get why they did it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's all gonna... about the casual fan, and a casual fan knows yes. their gear. Yes. You're not going to increase viewership by saying we're going to do a Tony Gwynn yeah. memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to increase the viewership if you emphasize Derek Jeter, because who doesn't know Derek Jeter, even outside of baseball? So, fine, draw mm-hmm. your numbers, but, geez, I thought it was funny, even at the end, when they gave Mike Trout the MVP. Yeah. I they thought it was going to Jeter. <laughs> I really did. Well, that too. But even in the post-game interview with uh, with Trout and giving him his award, they still were asking him questions about, you know, like, well, now that you've won the MVP, how did Derek Jeter influence you? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> now, well, now, we're, now that we're done talking about Jeter, what do you think about Jeter? You know, that kind of logic. Yeah. You know, it was, you know speaking of that uh, final interview from Aaron Andrews of Fox, you know, she drives me up a wall anyway, was uh, when she asked um, uh Trout, if he had ever dreamed of being the MVP of the All-Star Game, and I, I had the girlfriend next to me, and I said, when I when I was a kid and I dreamed of being a baseball player, I didn't dream of being the MVP of the All-Star Game. I dreamed of playing in the World Series or playing for the Detroit Tigers. Right. You know, that, 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 those that just gets me going on the uselessness. Uh, for the, of sideline interviews and on-field interviews and those in-game dugout interviews where cliches are spewed and softball questions are thrown. And that's a, at that point, I had the game on in the background. I had really stopped completely paying attention, paying close attention to it. I just shut the damn TV off. I know if I had turned on Sports Center or gone to Fox Sports 1, it would have been all Derek Jeter and All-Star game anyway. So I said, screw this. It was. Yes, and if we we don't, or the fans, you know, what am I trying to say? The, you know, they, all the softball questions that you yeah. talk about, you know, and the cliches and whatever, and then the minute you get a guy turning around, and this kind of ties into what happened that night with Adam Wainwright. Yeah, oh, yeah, we've got to talk, we should talk about that. Turning around and actually telling the truth. Yeah. Speaking from the gut, so to speak, and saying, yeah, I grooved him a fastball. I, I threw, uh, what do you say, I laid down, um, I, I can't remember what he said, something about pipes. Yeah. Piped a couple pitches in there. Oh, mm-hmm. crap. I don't have the, the quote in front of me. But, yeah, basically I, I grouped some pitches to Derek Jeter because he deserved it. Yeah. I wanted to give him a chance. So, And then he gets the beat down. Yeah, from the usual media suspect. From the usual media suspect. And that's ridiculous. It's an, then again, that falls into the ridiculousness of this all-star game meaning something as well. Because you, cause, and that sort of came up because of that. Because, you know, oh, yeah, cause, you know, since home field for the World Series is online – well, Adam Wainwright should take this uh, this game more seriously, but it's hard to take this game seriously when you have Derek Jeter in the game, for example. So, you know, you're right, and he you no, know, because that reminded me, Denny McLean, I think it was uh, in Mickey Mantle's last season, I think it was 1968. Uh, you know, there's a you know people find that, that story hilarious, where you know the two of them were where Denny McClain said, I'm going to throw you one right down the middle. Where do you want it? And Mantle didn't believe it. Then the first pitch came right down the middle. So and Mantle said, no, lower it a little bit. And the next pitch came there, and he hit it out of the park at, at Tiger Stadium. And people thought that was funny. But now this, now things have changed to the point where they wanted to, they wanted Wayne Wright's head on a, on a pike. And that's ridiculous because the All-Star game is supposed to be fun and happiness and light because, but because of the stupid rule Wainwright gets caught in the middle because he wants to do something right. nice for for uh, admittedly a legendary player and for the fans. It's much like Justin yeah. Berlander said when he got the start. Said people want to see me throw 100 miles an hour. That's what I did, and then he got then he got rocked for what four or five runs. So you're not going to make anybody happy. Yeah, you exactly. Know? But I I would rather have someone like Wainwright. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, speak with candor, yeah. you know, and speak directly. Mm-hmm. And I, I finally found the quote. I'm going to get this right. I was going to give him a couple of pipe shots. Yeah. He deserved it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's fine. Yeah. Uh, like you said, it's a fun game. It's an exhibition game. If it didn't count for anything, it'd be a non-issue. It's happened in the past. Uh, I think Cal Ripken had the same thing happen with, um, mm-hmm. I'm never going to remember that, pitcher, that pitcher's name. Ho- Ho-Chen Park, was it? I couldn't tell you for sure. Uh, they did the same thing for for Rifkin. Mm-hmm. It's, it's part of baseball tradition. Forget about it, you yeah. know. But the, the the lesson learned is that you can't tell the truth in an interview. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about that before in this podcast because when Verlander was very open about his thoughts about the Oakland trade, you know, getting starting pitching, it was all about us. And and all of a sudden, people were free. Oh my God, they just gave him a a bolt, uh, you know, Bolton board fodder and crap like that. Oh, I, you know, I, I guess it's the point I hate the self-appointed 
court of baseball pundits, and they, these people seem to take offense at anything like this. And then, of course, you also have fans who just completely go off the deep end on anything like this as well. So, so what we need is guys like Bob Gibson. Yeah, just come back and say yes. I have chronic bronchitis. <laughs> Remember that commercial? Yes, that, that unfortunately. Way back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's stick with the the tried and true sound bites. You know, baseball mm. been very very good to me. Yeah, and and leave it at that because apparently you can't yeah. really say what's on your mind. Chico Escuela, baseball been very very good to me. There you go. Yes. <laughs> As I'm old enough to remember 1970s uh, Saturday Night Live. So, all right. Speaking of the All Star Game festivities, obviously a big deal is the Home Run Derby. I know I had bitched mightily about it in the previous podcast, but I know you said you were kind of looking forward to it because your, your son enjoys these kind of things because he's at the right age for that kind of stuff. You know, being impressed by long home runs. Personally, I found it a complete snooze fest because once again, it just took too damn long. Yeah, uh, but, you know, we, we used, like, a, a DVR version mm-hmm. of it. So, you know, yeah. cut commercials, cut the rain delay. It was about, I think, two and a half hours all said and done when we were, you know, watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, my, my son and I did sit down and watch it. And like you said, it's just it's all about the moonshots and yeah. you know, how far did that one go and how far would it have gone. And we love to laugh and mm-hmm. laugh and laugh over Chris Berman. Yes. You know, that's way back, 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 uh-huh. back. See, and, that's, you know, that's, that's the advantage you have. You have someone who, who's at an age who can really enjoy it and is not jaded by it yet. Well, here right. I am by myself, and I'm like, I want to kill Chris Berman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he didn't do as many of those yeah. back, back, back calls this year as he did last year. And so it was a little bit of a disappointment. You want him to go over the top for that, you know, just because mm-hmm. every time he did it, we'd be in stitches, you know, we'd yeah. just be laughing so hard and just, so yeah, we, we had a good time with it. And, um, you know, I called it, I think after the first round, I said, you watch, Suspidus has got this thing, mm-hmm. you know, in the bag. And sure enough, he did. And uh, we, we laughed and thought it was great that Yasiel Puig didn't even hit a home. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so Puig. Yeah, yeah that's, he, that's, so, Puig. that's so Brandon Inge, actually. So. Yeah, right. Uh, but no, Inge wasn't the media sensation. Yeah, exactly. Puig, he's such a weirdo with that. Did you mm-hmm. see his haircut? He got yeah. the all-star, mm-hmm. whatever, carved into his head. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, And then he goes out there and just botches it. So, yeah, we, we had a, a blast with yeah. that. But the, it, the problem was, though, at least in my case, is that uh, Major League Baseball once again tweaked the format, and I, it's too arcane to even go into it, in hoping to shorten it. But between oh, you didn't the, like that. What's that? You didn't you didn't like that that change? Uh, personally, I would just rather. Uh, there's a couple issues I have with it. One, it goes on too long. You, no matter what the changes they make, it need it can't be three hours long, and that's really what it's turned into. No matter even the tweaks they made this time, it, j- it was just too darn long. And there's also the issue that the best players in baseball, much like in the NBA slam dunk contest, don't want to participate anymore because they're fearful of their swings, fearful of getting hurt, or fearful of being embarrassed. And that's a, that used to be a big calling card for a home run derby because the best home run hitters took part. That's not really yeah. true anymore. No, and that, that did stand out. We, we mm-hmm. said several times, you know, just looking at the different players. Hey, Brian Dozier? That's like Dozier. having Brandon Inge in it. Right, Todd yeah. Frazier. Yeah. I mean, even even Josh Donaldson. Yeah, he yeah. hits with power, but I don't think of him as exactly. I don't know. Let me let me put it this way: when I think of home run derby, I think Prince Fielder, Jose Canseco, you know, Giancarlo Stanton for sure. You know, guys that are just going to absolutely crush the ball. And he almost uh, he did that. What that one hit he hit was impressive. Oh my goodness! No, that, that almost cleared the damn stadium. That that, that was, was a monster shot. That's fun to watch. And so yeah, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. do you remember way way back in the back 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 in mm-hmm. the day? Yeah, when they did, uh, um, they used to have like uh, televised home run derbies between two players. Yeah, th- yeah. I mean, like way back, they would yeah, do, like, they were, big, yeah, big when they had Willie Mays and Al Kaline yeah. and Hank Aaron in the thing. Yeah. Yes. It, so maybe you know that's that's the way to go is to kind of just pick a couple players. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because two, that format was nine innings. You get three outs, and you know, obviously you have anything that's not a home run was an out. So it went fairly quickly. Uh, and obviously, though, we got to remember that was also edited on film. You know, it was like what 1960 or something like that when they were, when they did that uh, that that home run derby series. But you're right, though. Back then, though, the difference was too those that series paid those guys 
a huge percentage of the, what they were making as ball players over an entire season. I mean, they could get like five thousand dollars through that show, and these guys were making twenty thousand dollars in a season. So that that's also true. plays that's into true. it. So that's why you would incentive. get these guys in it. Yeah, but those were I mean those were fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. You know, that was that was a lot of fun. So you know, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, it's not going to change. They're not going to change the format to that point. You know, where you end up having just four guys in the in the derby. And it only takes you know an hour and a half to get through it. Yeah, and that's but, but Selig made a made an admission when he said the reason it's three hours because that's the time slot ESPN wants to fill. So that they want like, three hours. They want three hours of TV. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. no, I was I was completely fine with them uh, dropping the number of outs from ten to seven. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. that. I, I'm all for that. Yeah. So but I think you might have been talking about the other format change where they made it more of that bracketed style. Yeah, yeah just, just hit as many home runs as you can. That's, yeah. that's what people want to see. Make it, you know, change the rules up a bit. Pick the top four, mm-hmm. you know, home run leaders, two from each league or whatever. You know, going into the All-Star break, who's, who are the top two home run hitters? Let them fight it out and make it short. All right, I'm tired of Chris Berman, so let's move on to our next topic. Okay. So I think we've pretty much covered a gamut. So um, anything you'd like to add before we wrap it up? Boy, I can't think of a doggone thing. Yeah, we, we went the, on all kinds of tangents, didn't we? Yeah, right. I mean, usually that, that last uh, question is safe for a tangent, but we've been tang- uh, tangential this entire time. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I blame a lack of coffee more than anything else, I think. So. All right. That yeah, because, yeah, uh, God, yeah, I, I'm, I'm dragging right now. <laughs> I got I got oh crap, we've got a game in like fifteen minutes I have to recap, so Yes. Oh so, so I have a good time to that. Wrap it up. So all right. Where can the listeners find you online, Mr. Hookslide? Uh look for me on Twitter at Hookslide BYB. Um I'm on uh, Gmail, Hookslide BYB at gmail dot com. I got a nice email mm-hmm. last week uh from one of our listeners. I I meant to include that this week, but I I think I want to save it for next week because that was more about uh, jinxes and ah. hoaxes and all that. So we'll uh, make a point to talk about that next week then. Yeah. And yeah. so you'll find me at Hookslide BYB on Twitter and then also um occasionally uh for uh <laughs> what am I trying to say here? Tweeting for bless your voice. There yeah, you go. there you go. Exactly. Uh, of course you find me at Big Al BYB on Twitter, of course, along with Hookslide, uh, sometimes tweeting on the Bless You Boys account. Also be on the lookout for my other podcast, The Knee Jerks, with uh, my good friend Greg Eno, who is also a contributor at Bless You Boys. Uh, actually, this week I'm kind of looking forward to it because we're going to talk to the head football coach of Eastern Michigan University, who's going to tell us all about their new gray-colored field. So that should be exciting stuff. Well, you know, at least the geeky sports fans. I know Hooks I could care less because he hates football, but... Yeah. <laughs> Talk about tangents is right. often another one. So. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and as always, you can find these podcasts um, on the usual places, such as iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And, of course, you can find all kinds of good content along with this podcast at blessyouboys.com. So please follow us. Any place you can follow us, be it on, you know, subscribe on iTunes or follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook, do so. We would much appreciate it. You All know, right. I, yeah. I will throw in one last thing. Please do. Just to give credit where credit is due, mm-hmm. we went to that game yesterday, yeah. and uh, my my son who has been trying desperately to get players' autographs for like a year now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Phil Coke was out signing autographs for the fans yesterday in in the misting rain, mm-hmm. and he stayed out there for a good twenty minutes signing autographs. He signed a, a baseball for my son. Mm-hmm. It was kind of funny because we had the baseball locked up in a ziploc bag. Yeah. And uh, my son wasn't thinking and handed Phil Coke the whole bag. <laughs> and, and Phil looked at him and said, well, you want me to sign the bag? And he kind of laughed, so take, take it out of the bag for him. So he signed it. And as he was signing it, I tried to position my, my camera so I could get a picture of him signing. Yeah. And he saw what I was doing and said, hold on. And actually, like, bent down and posed Aww. with my yeah. son for a picture. And I said, that is really – I put the picture up on, on our personal Facebook account and said, you know, Phil Coke may not be the best reliever in Detroit, but – he made a diehard fan. Yeah. Yeah, say, yeah, say what you will about uh, his talent as a pitcher, and he's actually thrown the ball fairly well. You know, we, we earlier on we were just going on about you know we kind of clumped uh, the bullpen as a whole, but for the most part over the past six weeks, Bill Coke has been fine. But regardless of all that, I don't think you could find any fan or any media member who has a bad thing to say about Bill Coke person, and stuff like that is why. 
yeah, I was I was terribly impressed. Like I said, it was it was raining for crying out loud. He could have skimped and ran, you know, or whatever. He didn't. He stayed. He signed. He posts for a picture. So you know, credit where credit's due. I, I really appreciate the guy after that. Indeed. All right. With that, let's wrap up this podcast on a happy note. That, that's actually kind of nice. After this was pretty kind of a downer podcast, wasn't it? That's <laughs> yeah, my like half an hour ago. So I'm, I'm bleeding out right now. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap up this podcast. So hopefully uh, so I can bandage himself up and I can mainline some coffee as I get ready to recap another game. So until sometime next week, probably back at a regular time, this is Al Beaton saying good afternoon and good luck along the books like Derek Jeter will save us all. And I am waiting for my God, I can't even come up with anything with Derek Jeter because uh, I just get so ticked off thinking about the All-Star game. So I'm just going to say there will be no Derek Jeter on next week's podcast. That's a good place to end it. We'll see you next week. <laughs> That'll get him out of the old ballpark. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella.